You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, everybody. It's Chris Spangle. Just wanted to give you a bit of an update. We had uh, an issue with the Thursday show, so uh, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> uh, long story. Um, but, so, but I wanted to put this out because I, I put out a listener survey, uh, which you can take. It's anonymous. It's at wearelibertarians.com slash support towards the bottom. And it is an anonymous survey of the audience to find out who you are and what you like and what you don't like. And why, why I really think that's important is that really helps me understand what you guys want and how to best deliver information to you and what you're expecting as an audience. Because um, first and foremost, I do this for me, and I do this because I want to talk about things I find interesting. And I have found that what I find interesting attracts a large group of people like yourself. And so first and foremost, I have to be true to what I find interesting, because if I'm not interested in talking about it, then it gets boring. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a huge part of bias in the media, is that every editor, uh, of which I am, uh, is ultimately just, you know, asking people to go out and report on things they find interesting. So that is truly the most powerful part of of political thought in and newsmaking is the actual selection of what topics you're going to talk about. So um but one of the problems is I've got a lot to say. <laughs> and I I'm, I'm interested in a lot and uh sometimes the shows can go on very long and uh we can talk about you know, when Harry and I sat down last Sunday and talked about last week's shows, it's like there were 10 different things we wanted to talk about. And uh, with the new format, which we're going to trim up a little bit, um, we didn't get to a lot of what I wanted to talk about. So, uh, and, and instead of honestly just posting written Facebook statuses or writing on a website, I'd rather just speak into a microphone and do what I'm good at and give you the information of my thoughts on the news of the day in a 15, 20 minute, 25 minute daily chunk. Uh, so from here on out, I wouldn't say it's going to be every day, but it's pretty darn close going to be every day. I'm going to try and be as consistent as humanly possible with it. Uh, I'm going to take some of the stories and the things that just don't make it into We Are Libertarians in that 90-minute, twice-a-week episode and put it into the Chris Spangle Show. And, uh, you know, like the th- scheduling issue with Thursday... We, uh, I don't have to worry about anybody uh, not showing up. It's just me. So that is what the Chris Spangle Show is going to be, 20, 25 minutes. Just me going through some of the news of that particular day. Um, my goal is to post at 9 every night. And uh, we're going to keep the We Are Libertarian shows tight, talking about the news of the day and current events, but also a little more libertarian philosophy. And uh, that that's not something that, um, you know, the, the Chris Spangle Show is going to be pure news of the day and politics. So um, the reality is that on Election Day 2016, we were reaching 2,500 downloads an episode, and we are now hitting almost 10 so a year out, it's 10,000. A month out, af- af- when we publish an episode, we have 2,000 downloads within the first 12 hours. Uh, when we're uh, a week out, it's 
you know, nearly five five thousand downloads a month uh, or a month out. I'm sorry, but uh, it's five thousand downloads, and then a year out, it's nearly ten. So we have a tremendous amount of people listening, and I want to make sure that as we go into 2010 or 2020, excuse me, I capitalize on the growth that we're going to have from that audience. And one of the things that I learned at Podcast Movement from NPR's presentation was that they they would post two-hour chunks, and they'd get good listenership, and they would see spikes in the content of what people are talking about when. And when they actually started chunking out individual segments, then it was a, a much greater increase in listenership. And... What that really means is the information was pre- presented in a way that people like. <laughs> so it's not necessarily about getting more downloads. Getting more downloads equals higher satisfaction for the audience, more usability, easier and quicker way to get the information and uh, to consume the content. Um, so, so that's part of why I am expanding the amount of work that I'm doing, but changing it so it's a little more manageable for you and a little more manageable for me. One of the things that was a common critique in the dislikes was the length of the shows. But then there was also, I wish you did more. <laughs> so if I, it's either do longer episodes or do, you know, do the same amount and not give you what you want. So I, I'm just trying to um, take all of these criticisms in do what I know what works first because I'm, I, I've obviously built an audience and I know how to do that and I do that for a career. But at the same time, listen to what I'm doing and I, I like to be edited by the people that are consuming what We Are Libertarians does. So that is why the Chris Spangle Show is being put in your feed. I want you to be aware that this exists and I want you to go check it out and listen to it. Uh, we've also got the interview program, The Brian Nichols Show, and we've got the Boss Hog of Liberty, and we've got, um, you know, uh, well, I'm not going to spoil any surprises, but uh, so any, anyways, just download the Chris Spangle Show, go to chrisspangleshow.com, and you can download it there, you can search in your favorite podcast app and find it there, and uh, I thank you for listening, I'd love for you to fill out that survey, I'd love to hear what you think, um, you know, not much in terms of the show or what we talk about is changing or how we approach it or the ensemble cast of characters is changing. None of that's changing. It's just how do we format it and chunk it out so it's a little easier for you guys to get to what you want to get to or share with the content with your friends. So rest assured, there's nothing major that is changing. Uh, it's just I'm, I'm trying to make it a little bit easier so you can get right at the stuff that you want to get at or give out. So with that, without further ado, here is me. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. My name is Chris Spangle here on the We Are Libertarians Network. And this is a show about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. Uh, as you know, I have been struggling to figure out what to do with this uh, particular feed for a while. And I am now going to start doing uh, frequent conversations with you, uh, just you and I, and covering some of the stuff that we don't get to on the main show, which is We Are Libertarians, which you can get at wearelibertarians.com. Uh, 
This show is supported by our Patreon. You can join at wearelibertarians.com. Look for the support button, click wall patrons, and then I'll take you to the Patreon. Uh, so I, like I said, I'm going to start doing little short updates. Uh, we have introduced a new feature in the main show called We Are uh, Undercovered News, basically news that doesn't get uh, coverage in the mainstream media. And it, we're going to start doing that in every episode of We Are Libertarians, but uh, all those other articles that we don't get to, we're going to put here on The Chris Spangle Show. So make sure that you uh, subscribe to the feed and follow us there. I was just at the gym, and I, I hadn't decided that I was going to do this yet, but I was so pissed off. When I was at the gym that uh, I was like, you know what, I need to type a, a strongly worded status. And I thought, nobody reads statuses. Nobody reads your Facebook comments. Why don't you do a podcast where people can actually absorb the information and uh, put your content there? So that is what I'm doing. So uh, some of the most sanctimonious BS is taking place on the pages of editorial sites all across the nation and at newspapers. And it is a stunning lack of self-awareness by journalists. So I, if you don't know, I have been around and in media and politics and journalism for about 15 years now. So I started out uh, at a local news talk station where I worked as a reporter and you know got to know a lot of my local reporter friends uh, i worked you know here in indiana in 2008 a lot of national reporters came through same in 2012 and 2016 as indiana has sometimes mattered in the political process and uh you know then went on to work for a political party so you're on the other side of the fence and now i work in radio and obviously have built up a media company and we are libertarians and what I have learned about journalists, journalists are always very nice people. They're not the enemy of the people. So I want to make that clear. I, I look at what Donald Trump does sometimes in the way that he talks about journalists, and uh, it's total demagoguery. And he's, he, he's using the free, quote-unquote, press uh, as a weapon to get away with pretty much whatever he wants. And it's pretty insidious. It's not right. But at the same time, the media has done things that have turned them into punching bags. And so sometimes I don't have a lot of sympathy for them. And I think today is one of those days. So this is from The Hill. Uh, at least 100 newspapers sign up to publish editorials targeting Trump. The Boston Globe has enlisted more than 100 newspapers from across the country to publish editorials fighting back against President Trump's repeated attacks on the media. Uh, so they published all these uh, sanctimonious articles. You know, the Boston Globe, uh, I'll, I'll read that to you in just a moment, but there is a sense amongst journalists that they are the next Woodward and Bernstein. Even, at, even if you go and talk to your local newspaper reporter who works, you know, growing up there was the Hendricks County Flyer, which covered this donut county of Indianapolis and, you know, a county of you know, a few hundred thousand people, and it was a very small newspaper. Uh, my ex-wife worked for them. And what you get when you talk to even those level, they all think that they're the next Woodward and Bernstein. So there is an arrogance that comes along with this particular job. You know, people who have massive student loan debts who make roughly $30,000 a year if they're lucky have to find some reason not to be miserable and uh, end up hanging in a closet. And so saving the republic seems like it's probably a fairly good reason. Uh, now, the press is important, 
but often they are not doing the actual work that needs to be done that actually saves the republic. They're repeating just talking points. For, for instance, you know, your local news, if you watch your local television, television news, you're, you're having your intelligence insulted. And that's because they only, they only take the police reports that are filed by public information officers at local police departments and then turn that into news. And that's because it would take resources to actually do any other kind of reporting. And that has extended all the way up to the bigger news outlets. And so now there's a phenomenon of turning tweets into news. You know, like Ruby Rose, for instance, who is uh, scheduled to play Batwoman, was not gay enough and not intersectional enough to play this character. And, you know, probably 10,000 people were pissed off on Twitter. And all of a sudden, it's a major news story. It's not a news story at all. It's a tweet. But they have so few resources that they have to find some reason to justify their jobs, so they start turning to tweets as if it's real news. Um, you know, and Jim Acosta, just he is the, he is the, if Donald Trump is the avatar of American politics and how it actually operates, you know, um, Acosta is just the avatar of how that, that, that guy is lurking in every media member that I've, I've really worked with. Um, uh, political reporters anyways so they uh they all think they're saving the republic they're not saving the republic they're they're reporting about ruby rose <laughs> ruby rose uh not being gay enough so the uh the boston globe article and there's some really good points in here it it uh, says the central pillar of President Trump's political uh, politics is a s- sustained assault on the free press. Journalists are not classified as fellow Americans, but rather the enemy of the people. The, this relentless assault on the free press has dangerous consequences, and I agree with that. I one hundred percent agree with that. When you start eroding the norms that hold a society together, bad things happen. Uh, go read The Storm Before the Storm by Mike Duncan about the end of the Roman Republic, and you see the importance of Mos Maiorium and cultural and political norms and how important they are at holding things together. Um, but what the Washington crowd, what the John McCain's of the world don't understand is that their behavior helped er- erode some of those, especially things like Iraq. You know, Iraq is the big black eye on the press. And anybody who was against the Iraq war was an enemy of America. And the press, in, in many ways, treated people who were against the war as an absolute enemy. So uh, we asked editorial boards from around the country, liberal and conservative, large and small, to join us today to address this fundamental threat in their own words. Replacing a free media with a state-run media has always been the first order of business for any corrupt regime taking over a country. First of all... Where has Donald Trump proposed that he's going to put together a state-run media? Now, if he had the opportunity, he 100% would. But the closest thing was Breitbart, and Steve Bannon didn't even make it in the White House. This guy can't run his own life, let alone a state-run media. He is not Joseph Stalin. So the hyperbole in this is, is already off to the races. Today in the United States, we have a president who has created a mantra that members of the media who do not blatantly support the policies of the current administration are the enemy of the people. He says exactly how people like Barack Obama and George Bush treated the media. 
plain and simple. Like that's the thing. That's the crazy thing about the reaction to Trump is that if anyone had paid attention over the last few administrations, Donald Trump's attitudes are just put in more coarse language, but they're the same attitudes as the ruling class. Uh, This is one of the many lies that have been thrown out by this president, much like an old charlatan threw out magic dust on water water on a hopeful crowd. You know, you watch these rallies, and and I was actually in the press box at one rally when he turned around and said, look at this media, look at these, they're terrible, they're all horrible. And I'm sitting next to Rob Kendall, who will be here next week, who was in the press box wearing a Make America Great Again hat. And so people turned around to boo the, the, the media, and they just had no idea. They went apoplectic. They had no idea how to handle the situation. And the press was just hysterical that Rob was in the press. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty classless of Rob, to be honest. <laughs> you just, you know, uh, like I wasn't a delegate to the National Libertarian Convention. I am a libertarian, but I didn't think that if you're covering it, you should have skin in the game. Uh, and so journalists object to having this new media that they have to compete with the the opinion journalists like rob who has a very definite pro-trump stance they hate having to deal with that person because they're not above it all um but uh you know when he does that you people turn around and they start booing you with smiles on their faces it's it's like it's a game and i know the slippery slope argument once you start that and they're not smiles six months down the road and it could turn dangerous, and yeah, it could. You're absolutely right about that. But after three years, it's kind of still funny. And people are still laughing. And Trump is still kind of just doing it as a punchline. Like, these rallies are not actual, like, Jim Acosta takes them so seriously. But if you actually watch the Trump rallies on YouTube, it's a, it's a, a two-hour stand-up routine. <laughs> Donald Trump is just doing stand-up. For more than two centuries, this foundational American principle has protected journalists at home and served as a model for free nations abroad. Today, it is under serious threat, and it sends an alarming signal to despots from Ankara to Moscow, Beijing to Baghdad, that journalists can be treated as a domestic enemy. The press is necessary to a free society because it does not implicitly trust leaders. From the local planning board to the White House... And it's not a coincidence that this president, whose financial affairs are murky and whose suspicious pattern of behavior triggered his own Justice Department to appoint an independent counsel to investigate him, has tried so hard to intimidate journalists who provide independent scrutiny. I would love them to have written the same thing about Alex Jones. The press is, a necessar- the press is necessary to a free society because it does not implicitly trust leaders. So that is why we stand today with Alex Jones, as he questions literally everything under the sun. Um, But they don't want that. If you were to poll journalists and they couldn't be identified, I would bet you 75% of them would be in favor of licensing journalists. They absolutely hate the fact that you and I have a publish button, and we have like 10 of them at our disposal. It's why 15 different publish buttons were removed from Alex Jones' hands. Now, I'm not an Alex Jones supporter. I like, I think, like Trump, he's just uh, a charlatan and a uh, a, phone, a performance artist. But he, he is exercising freedom of speech. He's exercising political speech, and he has every right to do so. And the way that you fight that speech is with better speech and explaining why he is wrong. You do a YouTube video about how Alex Jones is wrong and debunk him. And then people who 
disagree with Alex Jones, like myself, get to read something like a popular mechanics book about how his 9-11 theories are wrong. So these, are, these people that are writing about the freedom of the press are, are pushing the narrative that Russian bots, supposedly 100,000 Facebook ads swung with boomer memes, basically swung the election in the favor of, uh, of Donald Trump when Hillary Clinton spent like $2 billion or something ridiculous on Facebook ads, and she didn't win. So the power, I can tell you, the power of 100,000 Facebook and Facebook ads is a drop in the bucket. The entire Russian narrative, there was absolutely Russian influence in the election. The Russians are the ones who went into the servers of the Democrats and then gave it to WikiLeaks to publish in an effort to discredit Hillary Clinton because Putin didn't like Clinton. He thought she was an enemy, and he knew Donald Trump would paralyze this country. And so there was absolutely Russian interference. But the idea that the Russians and bots on Twitter, you don't pay attention. There are studies that show that you don't pay attention to your friends when they make a political argument on social media. So you're telling me that a spammy bot account is actually influencing American democracy? That's bullshit. The fact is, is that these people, the press, absolutely hate having to compete for your attention. And they absolutely having, hate having to compete against the Facebook platform and Twitter platforms and Instagram for dollars. And so they're mad about it. They have a chip on their shoulder. And so anything they can do to leverage that into full control or to, to achieve what they're working on, which is partner status. So you'll be able to see the only politics and news that you'll actually be able to see on Facebook is from trusted sources like, the CN, like CNN and uh, not Fox News, but CNN and uh, the New York Times. And never mind the fact that the New York Times and the Washington Post and CNN helped lead us into a war that killed a million, a million Muslims and you know uh, tens of thousands of Americans. Uh, never mind that. Uh, it's Alex Jones that we've got to worry about. Uh, an amped up alcoholic vitamin salesman. He's the danger to American democracy, not the New York Times. So, uh, but they, they don't want a free press. They want a press controlled by them. There once was broad bipartisan inter intergenerational agreement in the United States that the press played this important role, yet that view is no longer shared by many Americans. The news media is the enemy of the American people is a sentiment endorsed by 48% of Republicans surveyed this month by Ipsos polling firms. Maybe it's because you never give a Republican a fair shake. Now, I'm a libertarian, so I don't have a skin. I don't have a skin in the game in the left-right, break you know, bold narrative. But Donald Trump doesn't get a break. Republicans never get a break. Mitt Romney was the greatest threat to American democracy, and he was a crazy person. And before that, John McCain, who is now lionized, was the greatest threat to American democracy. And so John McCain wasn't good enough. Then Mitt Romney wasn't good enough. And so when you keep crying wolf. And, you know, the binders full of women is just a big joke, then, yeah, Republicans don't trust you. So you're dealing with the consequences. The Republicans gave you Donald Trump because of your own behavior. But you don't want to take responsibility for your past mistakes. You want to blame Donald Trump, which just further entrenches those Republicans into disliking what you actually have to say. Um, so I, I, I won't read on to this because I want to keep these short. But I will say... Um, you know, it's it's an entertaining read, uh, you know, and they quote all kinds of founding fathers and the Constitution 
1984, and it's just sort of, you know, we're, we're heading into authoritarianism. We're not heading into authoritarianism. It's just hysterical behavior from people who don't understand government, and I include a lot of journalists in that. There are a lot of journalists, they understand current events. They understand how the mechanisms of power operate. They understand the important power players of the moment, but they don't understand anything from uh, from anything from law to ideology to uh, philosophy or sociology or psychology. They understand they understand what they cover, but they don't understand legal mechanisms a lot of times unless they're you know like David K. Johnston. I really respect. I think he's a tremendous journalist. For instance. Uh, he's written a couple books about Trump. He's written several great books like Free Lunch, uh, and he was the tax reporter for the New York Times, and he really understands what he covers. So, you know, Radley Balco really understands the criminal justice system, and he works for the Washington Post. So there are journalists who understand what they cover, but your average political reporter who works for the hill or politico they don't quite understand the law right especially tv reporters tv reporters if you're watching television news you're having your intelligence insulted so um so we are we are not slipping into a tyrannical government the american system is incredibly durable and even when Donald Trump gets a ruling, for, like something like uh, the Muslim ban, the first couple Muslim bans got blocked, the administration, the, the power that he may be at the top, but he's fairly still kind of isolated from how things actually operate. So when something like the Muslim ban, for instance, it, it, it doesn't go his way, the administration still carries out what the law and the judge says they're supposed to do. So those are those little things kind of show you that we're not slipping into tyranny. This is not slipping into 1984. The the bigger danger of us slipping into 1984 is to completely eradicate certain strains of thought from the public sphere, and you have to create a, 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 a an environment of free speech. You either support free speech or you don't. Uh, I thought Jimmy Dore on his podcast made a really good point. He's like, I'm against the death penalty because I think killing people is wrong, and and people say to me, well, what if they killed and raped your, your kid? Wouldn't you want him to die? Of course I'd want him to die, but I also want the barista that gets my order wrong to die. But it's not up to me to sentence other people to death. And you have to be the same way about free speech. You have to be an absolutist on free speech because once that starts to erode, then a lot of other things start to erode. Things like gun rights start to erode. Things like the Fourth Amendment start to erode. And so we have to have our values in place because... If we accept these major companies censoring people, then it creates an environment that allows government censorship. For instance, Alex Jones had his flagship station, uh, the FCC, pulled his uh, license on that radio station today. You know, that is a government action th- th- taking away somebody's ability to speak freely. Uh, and there's already legislation by Mark Warner moving through the Senate trying to regulate these companies to protect us from Russians. And so you have to be really diligent, and it really matters what you re- how you respond to these private companies because the public censors are watching, and they, um, they will use that environment to censor people. They're, people want to control other people. And if you don't want to be controlled, you have to fight anybody who wants to control you. You have to speak up against anyone that will control you, be it private company or public official. Uh, and I would also add the hypocrisy of this is that you know, there hasn't been a journalist jailed under Donald Trump yet. 
but, you know, not excusing his language, but there hasn't been a journalist jailed. That wasn't the case for James Risen. That wasn't the case for uh, several different journalists under Barack Obama. And uh, you didn't see you didn't see these newspapers sounding the alarm with near the level of panic that they do on a daily basis about Barack Obama, who actually spied on Cheryl Atkinson's uh, computer, a CBS reporter, uh, or you know James Risen, who now works for for uh, the Intercept, does amazing work. He's an amazing journalist, but and he was he was actually jailed or, or threatened with jail. Uh, he was one of the journalists that Eric Holder would ordered to have investigated, and he was, you know, basically threatened with prosecution if he didn't give over his sources. So major First Amendment violations there, much more down the rabbit hole than what we're seeing with Donald Trump. But there wasn't this same level of outrage when Barack Obama did it. So it is important to point out the hypocrisy of this. So hopefully they will uh, adjust their attitude a little bit because th- what this is is fear mongering. This this article is fear mongering, and I think what, what why it irritates me so much is that it is making people who don't really pay attention, like I pay attention, fearful. And I absolutely hate when people use fear to try and manipulate people into do- doing something. And it is journalists who are most of them rightly scared uh, about the environment that Donald Trump, the president of the United States, whose word carries weight and does create a very significant bad atmosphere towards them, uh, that is wrong and they should speak out against it. But they also should be a little self-reflective and understand how they actually have helped contribute to those 48% of Republicans not trusting them. Uh, And... It's like anything. You don't want Mark Zuckerberg to think for you and be the censor. You don't want the New York Times to think for you and be the censor. You don't want me to be your censor and think for you. You, as a consumer of information, have to be constantly vigilant about what you're putting into your brain because it really does matter. So with that, I thank you for joining me here on this episode of The Chris Spangle Show as we talk about uh, the free press and its importance. And uh, just remember that there's more than just the New York Times and CNN out there in terms of journalism. Uh, we Are Libertarians is an, uh, an independent opinion journalism outfit, and we need your support. So please share this episode, share the podcast, listen, tell your friends about it. That's how we grow. And I thank you for listening, and we will talk to you very soon. Hope you have a great day.